Hello and welcome back. My name is Luke and you're listening to another episode of the Next Stage Podcast. Designing meaningful and modern brands for a world that demands more and more of our attention every day is undoubtedly a major challenge. Sarah Ashman, CEO of brand consultancy Wolf Olins, explores the roles of brand and experience, unpacking how combining these two elements could have a more conscious impact on businesses and people. To be back together, um, and thank you, Fabian, for the lovely introduction. So, I am going to talk a little bit about brand, which is my favourite subject and what I do for a living. Uh, and I'm hopefully going to leave you with a few interesting provocations that maybe you'll enjoy using in your own practice as you're developing your businesses, products, services, brands, and everything else I know you'll be doing. So, um, what gives me permission to talk about brand? I should probably mention. Wolf Olin's uh, has been going for 60 years. I think our first job was designing the record label for the Beatles. Happy birthday to Sir Paul McCartney this week. And uh, since then, we've had the great privilege of working on lots of things that are cultural institutions, tech brands. Uh, we created uh, the Uber brand when they were making the transition, for example, from ride-sharing to being a global mobility platform, um, as well as a host of others. Uh, this year is the 10th anniversary of the London 2012 Olympics, for anyone who was around back then and remembers the controversy. And in Toronto, uh, last year we had the privilege of working with Dr. Dean Dory Tunstall from um, OCAD on It's My Future Toronto, working with the BIPOC youth community to design the Toronto of the future. So we have some pedigree, um, but hopefully the things I have to share today will be interesting without the reputation. So uh, this isn't my first time here talking about brand. In 2018, I talked about what brand might look like in 2050. And um, I like threes, so I talked about three different things. I talked about brands as ideologies. So think about Patagonia and their deep, deep commitment to uh, nurturing and protecting nature. I talked about ambient technology and brand as operating systems. So Amazon Echo, all of these other things that were becoming integral in our lives. And I also talked about brands as sensorial experiences, which I don't think we talk about enough now that we've sort of moved online with our lives. And I pulled out some retail examples, including a healthcare uh, skincare brand in the UK called Aesop and the kind of environment they create in stores to help you um, feel the brand, not just use the product or experience it from a digital perspective. So I left those sort of three thoughts um, as part of how you build brands in the future, ideologically, from an ambient technology point of view, and then from a sensorial point of view. And I still believe those things are important. So today is a sort of additive enhancement as opposed to a replacement to those ideas. A lot's changed, of course, since 2018. Um, the pandemic being the big one, which has been the worst of times for so many people who've lost loved ones. Um, it's also been a time where we've rallied and we've discovered things about our communities and about ourselves, including resilience and developing vaccines together and mobilizing to be able to solve really big problems. And, and we, hope, we hope that we're coming through that in a way that will be uh, Consi uh, consistent over time, we won't be going backwards again. So that's been obviously a big, big change and it's affected everything. 
it's also driven us in lots of ways to become more digital and to move our lives online. And, you know, when my mum has given up cash and is doing everything online and doesn't bother buying anything anymore unless she's using a credit card or going through the internet, then I know something quite major has changed. Also, for the next generation, when the pandemic has been so scary and you can't get out, then why not just create a whole life for yourself online and not bother being physical about anything anymore? It's an interesting um, notion. And there's lots of ways to do it now, of course. So the metaverse is here. Uh, virtual reality, augmented reality, enhanced reality. You can now live your life entirely in a different sphere. And, uh, and why wouldn't you? You know, you can fly in that environment. You can do all sorts of things that you can't do in a physical environment. It's a magical place. Uh, not just about kind of working in meeting rooms virtually, but living an entirely different kind of constructed life in an entirely different um, atmosphere. It's, it's, an, it, it's the stuff of dreams. It's the stuff of science fiction. Who knew it was going to be here in our lifetimes? And there's also a whole economy that's supporting this now with Web 3.3. So we're in a position where you can live in a virtual world, but we also have a virtual economy that supports it, and that will only grow. So we have the pandemic changing us, we have the metaverse changing us, and we also have uh, Gen A. And it's a big, big kind of population bubble. So 2.5 million of these folks turning up every week, 2 billion, I think, by uh, 2025, just a few years away. Uh, so we now have uh, a group of uh, younger folks who are going to start coming online and becoming more active in the next couple of years, uh, 2011 being, I think, the beginning of when Gen A starts. Uh, so get ready. It's going to be a lot of fun. So what does this mean for brand? I just wanted to sort of lay out some context for some of the provocations that I wanted to share. And the first one um, I wanted to talk about is blurred identities, which we'll all have a point of view on already, of course. So blurred identities in a physical sense, we've been talking an awful lot and debating what does gender mean? What does it mean to um, kind of relate to one another in, in a world where uh, gender doesn't mean the same things anymore? Uh, what does that mean in terms of getting used to lots of different environments? For example, we've just seen the debate going on in sports, etc. But there is an appetite to not be constrained by the same physical or kind of historical boundaries or tropes that we used to have, and, and why should we? We've seen that you can live in lots of different lifestyles, the world's been flattened, why do we have to conform? Why can't we live lots of different lives over the course of our lives and be lots of different people? So this notion of identity has fundamentally changed, certainly in, since I was a, a young child. And we're talking about it in ways that we never did before. And then when you think about that in a digital sense, we've got uh, not just Gen A living in this world, but Gen Z, lots of interesting stats around how a large proportion of gamers feel much more comfortable in the metaverse than they do in real life. So why not spend more of your time there? It's such an exciting, brilliant, magical sort of a place. Uh, you don't have to be a construct as others see you. You can create entirely your own persona uh, and live an entirely different kind of a life. Uh, there is a big market for this. so. For those of you who are thinking about how you create brands and how you develop products and services, there's a lot of money to be made in this world. So um, in, by 2030, 
there will be allegedly five billion uh, digital population, and they'll be generating something like 13 trillion in uh, money through digital assets that are being traded and used in this universe. So in terms of brands helping us to express ourselves in new ways in the metaverse, there's obviously a huge opportunity there. And in terms of the, the identities that we have, we're going to be entirely different in different places. And I did um, a master's in digital sociology that I completed in 2015. And at the end of um, the course, I did a final project on digital privacy. And it was interesting to me back then that for those who were sophisticated enough to understand what digital privacy meant and were trying to enact it in different ways and protect their privacy, they were already developing multiple identities and personas. And that was as a protective sort of a mechanism. Nowadays, of course, we're creating all sorts of different personas, personas for different spaces to express ourselves. Uh, we've got generations growing up who are used to creating themselves and it, creating the products that they want to see in the world. And now, with the digital economy, TikTok, anything else you care to mention, they're now actually creating the framework for them to become entrepreneurs in this space as well. And, and just for fun, I chucked in Grimes and Elon Musk's, uh, the name of their one, of one of their children, which I think has been shortened to X now to make everybody's lives a little bit easier. But how we're even thinking about naming our children, um, setting them, so, them up for the future and how they will express themselves is part of this as well. The next thing I wanted to talk about was composable brands. Uh, we've talked about personalization and customizing brands for a very long time now. But we've talked about it in a sort of um, factory setting way. So we'll create a product or a service business and you can tinker with it. There will be a couple of choices you can make to adapt it to the things that you might enjoy. In the future, I think we're going to have to have a much more deconstructive way of being able to deliver the kind of experience that people are looking for and that they can create what they want to create that ref reflects them as opposed to just tinkering at the margins. So we can already start to see the kind of the strands of this coming together. So if my Spotify is going to be very different to your Spotify. If I try and customize something with uh, Nike, then it will look different to how you do it. These are very simple examples, but you can already see that the building blocks are there for how people want to construct brands in the way that they want to receive them and express themselves, and that that will just gain momentum over time, and especially in the digital space. So if you're brand building, get ready to respond to that need. And Brand uh, uh, Frost, back in, I think, 2013, wrote a book called Atomic Design. And he was uh, thinking about how you create design systems that reflect how nature does these things naturally. So in a molecular sense, how do you bring together different atoms or molecules? How do they shape each other? How do you make that simple, but how do you add more? And then it becomes more and more complicated and complex. So this, I think, is the way that we're going to have to start designing brands. We're going to have to have a core set of components that you can move around in lots of different ways to then make them feel like they're more uh, an expression and an enhancement of who you are and what you're looking for. So this idea of composable brands, I think, will gain more momentum, and there'll be a lot more examples in, in the not-too-distant future of how this works in practice. And then the final, 
thing I wanted to talk about is conscious brands, something that we care about very deeply at Wolfolins, and we've done a lot of research in. And when I talk about conscious brands, I'm talking about brands that are not just responsible. I'm not talking about kind of bog-standard HR practices and doing all the hygiene stuff. Uh, I'm talking about how do you respond to the world around you and how do you behave in a way that feels far more responsive and conscious in the way you do things. Um, this was a piece of research that we did last year. It was a global piece of research where we asked uh, public who they thought the most conscious brands in the world were. Uh, and we didn't try and frame it into, you know, we just asked people what they thought and they, get, they gave us their unfiltered feedback. And this was the um, results of that. So you, obviously brands that we've heard of because it was a mainstream research piece where you, you picked brands that you, you were already familiar with. Uh, and we also saw some interesting kind of anomalies in terms of because of the vaccine, a lot of the pharma businesses did particularly well. But what we did hear loud and clear was that consumers feel very, very strongly that brands are agents of change in the world. They're not just instruments of uh, the kind of usual practices of uh, protecting and creating boundaries for whether it's kind of uh, discrimination or anything else, but they need to be active. They need to be pursuing change in order for us to feel like they're properly doing that, they're, they're fulfilling their duty. And they will vote with their feet very quickly if they don't think that you are and you're not behaving in a way that's responsible and you're not going to be that agent of change. They don't want to buy from you. And that will only increase as younger generations come through who feel so passionately about this. So these three things, blurred identities, uh, composable brands and conscious brands are the three sort of influencing factors I think we're gonna see grow and grow and grow over the next few years. And I'll be interested to see what future examples we have that um, show how all of this comes together. Um, and on this last one in particular, I thought I'd mention movements and armies of fans. Fandom is becoming obviously a huge thing. And if you think about the K-pop band movement, uh, BTS I think raised something like $3.6 million for the UN child agency for anti-bullying. So I think the brands that are able to demonstrate their causes and their passions and unite not just their employees but other fan bases are gonna be hugely impactful in the world and have a lot behind them. And on the flip side, if they're not being held accountable, if they're not making sure they're accountable for what they're doing, then that army is gonna go after them and expose that very clearly as well. So those were my sort of amuse-bouche for this morning that I wanted to lay out and give you a, a little sense of some of the thinking that we've been enjoying throwing around at Wolf Olins uh, as we think about how we're creating brands of the future and what's gonna be most effective. I know all of you will be developing all sorts of interesting ideas. And as ever, I thought I'd end with a little quote that says, uh, the best way, of course, to predict the future is always to invent it. And I wanna wish you every success in doing that and a really enjoyable collision. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. So until next week, see you then.